Upon further review. Upon further review. Welcome to Upon Further Review, your weekly uptake of hot topics across the National Hockey League. Powered by your hosts, Angelo Ricci and Stefan Bianchi. Okay, so before we start this episode off, I don't want to upset anyone here. I'm not going to say that 50 is old. 50 is young in it all is. aspects of life. 50 is the new mm-hmm. 30, mm-hmm. right? Most of our listeners, I would say actually 30 to 40% of our listeners are above <laughs> the age of 50. Our parents are above the age of 50. So that I'm makes up 30 to 40. <laughs> that doesn't make up 30 to 40% of our listeners. We average about 75 viewers an episodes. Yeah. I don't know what that is. Um, but yeah, 50 is young. However... The reason I say that is because in the podcast space, mm. I would say 50 is kind of old. Would you agree? Yeah, I think in terms of like making it to 50, it's pretty big accomplishment. Yeah, when I say 50 is old, I mean a podcast getting to 50 episodes is is no small accomplishment. And I don't want to gas ourselves up here at all, but we looked at the stats earlier and what 10% of or 17% of podcasts get to 10, 10 listeners, only 1% episodes, episodes sorry, only one percent get to 20 episodes yeah so i i wonder what the number is on 50 and obviously that's not even assuming that sorry that's not even taking into account the number of listeners per episode so Mm -hmm. we just wanted to start off by saying thank you to everybody because this is our 50th episode of the upon upon further review podcast excuse me um and yeah you guys have helped us average 70 to 80 viewers overall in the summer we get about 16 during peak times we get close to 100 i think our highest one yeah. was like 130 when coach chippy came on anything you have to say about that or the process overall no not not really i mean i'm i'm not like surprised that we made it this far but i figured that there would be bumps in the road that prevented that from happening so i mean hopefully we get to keep doing this for a while but if not i mean the fact that we made it to 50 is still pretty impressive i would say yeah one thing i i saw there's a group of people I l- listen to their TikToks on, and it's about a football podcast. And it's guys that are surprisingly our age, too. They said they were 98s, and they started their podcast because they were coming to work every single day. They had something in their group chat where they were arguing about something with respect to football. They'd get to work, and then they would argue about it for two hours, and they said, you know what? Let's just do this on a podcast. And mm-hmm. that made me think about that's kind of how we started it, too. Yeah, I remember it was during COVID, um, during the Christmas break. We had absolutely nothing to do. We were arguing about something with respect to the Leafs. I can't remember what it was. Um, and then one of us just said, why don't we just do this on a podcast? It started off as a joke. And then it finally got out of the group chat. And here we are, what, two years later, 50 episodes deep. It's pretty cool. Yeah, to think almost about. two years later. Or, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, pre- it's pretty cool to think about. Because me, me, Steph, and Christian. Christian's our producer. You haven't seen him on here, but he's an integral part of the podcast. We're all best friends. And it's it's been a cool way to stay together during COVID, but also just to stay together as we've gone more so our separate rays like Steph yeah. is in Hamilton. I'm in Toronto. Christian is doing his own thing too. He's busy, probably the busiest out of all three of us, but yeah. it's been a way to keep us together, which is pretty cool. That's true. I think that's the best part about it. Like I don't, I talk hockey with you. It doesn't have to be on a microphone, but we get to see each other every other week, at least once. So makes that worth it. Make a day out of it or something. Yeah. But yeah, with, with no more, um, is the word adieu is without any further adieu. That's the one. Uh, we can get into the episode now, our 50th episode. Yeah, big 50. How are we starting this? Of course, it's going to be, we're going to start with Kyle Dubas because UFR wouldn't exist without him. Yes. And to all the Kyle Dubas haters who think that he sucks at his job, <laughs> can you at least be thankful that he's giving us and you something to talk about in the middle of August when our, otherwise this episode would literally be 30 minutes at most? But 
now we actually have something to talk about because obviously he goes out and gets the biggest fish because Kyle Dubas loves to make a big trade. And he goes and gets Eric Carlson from San Jose, which I think was inevitable. It's not like it became inevitable, but the fact that they actually pulled it off is good because a lot of t- I feel like you hear rumors all the time and then nothing comes because salary cap, because of salaries and whatever. Everyone gets cold feet. But let's start breaking down this trade. It's a disgustingly big trade. So I think the best way to go is like just say the trade and then break it down team by team. Sure, but what I'll say first is that you did call this. I was when you brought it up a couple episodes yeah. ago, saying Pittsburgh should get Carlson. I thought you were crazy, and I mean it happened. So kudos to you on calling. It happened. Yeah, I, I, I think I was starting to say that after like the rumors of them being interested were mm-hmm. like out there, but I was saying it more so on the fact that it would just be really fun. I think what the funniest part of this too is that we've talked about it a million times. Where like Hextall signed all those guys and yeah, then did nothing in the gone. off season, <laughs> and then the only thing. Sorry, Kyle Dubas comes in, makes like five, six moves, and his biggest move involves trading away the only guy Hextall got at the deadline, well, which I thought was pretty Because funny. it was a terrible trade. He yeah. needed to fix it. Yeah, but anyways, okay, let's break it down. Yeah, let's break it down. So, Pittsburgh gets obviously gets Eric Carlson uh, at $10 million per year. They also get Rem Pitlick, who's a forward from Montreal, depth forward. And honestly, I've never heard of this guy before, Dylan Hamiluk. Me neither. And then they also got a, thir- uh, a 2026 third-round pick. Mm-hmm from san jose san jose gets pittsburgh's first next year michael granin like you said jan ruda and mike hoffman from montreal which is the first round pick is we'll talk about this they get a collection of players and a first round pick and then montreal they get a second round pick from pittsburgh to take jeff petrie pittsburgh retained 25 percent of jeff petrie and then they also sent casey to smith and nathan lagar lagare i'm not sure how to pronounce that name but a lot of moving pieces. I think it's 12 pieces in total, which is a big, big trade. It's a lot. And Mike Hoffman, I think, was a San Jose Shark in his career for about 40 minutes. So yeah. now he gets to play a real game there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember that. Exactly. So let's just break it down team by team because I think that's the only way to do it. Mm-hmm. Let's just obviously start with the pens and what they get out of this. I mean, I already had my piece two episodes ago. So now, now that it's happened, what do you think? I mean... I think this is continuing to align with Pittsburgh's window. Like, not to continue yeah. to say this, but when they went all in on Malkin, when they went all in on Latang, two guys that are what mid thirties are going to be mid to late thirties, if yeah. not forty. I think Latang will be forty-one when the deal's done. They gave Ricard Raquel six by five. Yeah, uh, they're going to keep Crosby, obviously. Who wouldn't? Um, they have a three to four year window, and everything that Kyle if Dubas not. has done has been in alignment with that window. Before getting Carlson, they got Riley Smith, who's a great depth forward. They re-signed Jari to. Um, a turn within that window as well. They ended up getting one more guy. You got Achari. Achari as well. They they were stacking up for this window, and then they go out and get the biggest free agent, who is probably in the second prime of his career, if that makes any sense. Yeah. For yeah, the he's next, having a big bounce back. For the next three to four years, um, you would hope that he stays to a 70 to 75-point player, and then if he falls off the face of the earth, it's fine because they're operating within this three-year window. So I would I would give Pittsburgh Penguins an A on this deal just because Kyle Dubas is going out and he's making use of those deals that Hextall signed and he's getting guys who are in their prime now trading away a future. Like, we know when Malkin and Crosby retire, these guys are going to be bad. So you might as well be even worse. This first in 2024 is not going to be of any benefit to them. They were always going to trade it. They just happened to now trade it before the deadline. Exactly. And the only reason why this isn't an A-plus move, in my opinion, is because the cap hit of $10 that they have to retain on Carlson. But, I mean... Yeah, but what I will say is they yeah they only got I think it works up to thirteen percent retention from San Jose yeah 
But I think by trading away Granlund, Petrie, DeSmith, and Ruda, he actually made more cap space. Like really? They even make more than $10 million together. Even retaining on Petrie? Yeah. Wow. And I mean, I guess that's a pretty good move. So they come out net net negative in terms of cap space, or sorry, net positive in terms of like cap space. I think they're still technically under the cap by the I think I checked this morning with seventy six thousand dollars, but Good you move management. guys on guys on waivers, move guys up and down, they're gonna be cap compliant. So I mean the fact that you you know, can actually make this happen, give yourself more cap space and I ten million's a lot, but I'll say a little bit more about this when like we talk about San Jose, but because they didn't have to because they didn't make San Jose retain a ton, they didn't have to give up a ton. They really only gave up a first and a second and then a bunch of guys they didn't really seem to want anyway exactly no so I, I agree when i was having this conversation with some friends at work they were saying how in the world did san jose only retain only get a first round pick for this and i think what people don't understand at face values like you said the biggest asset for san jose is they free up cap space yeah. they finally have an ability to start rebuilding mm-hmm. um yeah. but i still think they could have done more I, I still think they could have done more and overall i think pittsburgh is the clear winner of this deal yeah um i think the wide consensus on twitter or is it is it x now or whatever whatever you want to call it the wide nhl community on that app strongly believes that pittsburgh won this deal i think so and are we finally going to say that kyle dubas wasn't the problem in toronto now because he's showing in pittsburgh well that he's he's gming well here too i think people with more than half a brain knew that he wasn't (laughs) the problem in, in toronto i think this the problem in toronto was Toronto it was deeper than him it wasn't deeper than him I think it actually just they couldn't get over the hump players had a problem maybe they weren't coached the best but we don't have to talk about the Leafs right now but he's clearly putting his mark on this team and I think they're going to be better for it I mean I don't think we were I wasn't super shocked that they didn't make the playoffs last year Pittsburgh but I'll be shocked if they don't make it this year and that's a sign that this team got one year older and the fact that our expectations have gone up means that he's done a good job yeah, so I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions here. He hasn't prepared for them, but okay. I want to get your opinion on some things. Number one, I think this is the obvious question. Are the Pittsburgh Penguins contenders for first in the Metro and for the Stanley Cup? I, I actually don't think that... I think there's the other teams in the Metro are just too good. I think New Jersey is significantly better than them. Carolina is always incredible, and they got better over this deadline. New York is never a team you should be sleeping on. I don't think they're going to be fighting for first place in the in the division but i think they'll be you know fighting for second or third i think on paper right now if i had to do a power rankings of the metro off the top of my head i'd probably have the devils then the hurricanes then the rangers and then pittsburgh in fourth really pittsburgh doesn't beat new york now i just think that and you don't know what you're going to get out of jari we don't know health-wise how penguins are going to be they're definitely better i don't think the gap is huge between them and the rangers but if you're asking me now on August 13th in the summer, who I would, you know, if I had to like place money or make a bet about who I thought was going to finish third in that division, I'd probably still pick the Rangers. So because they aren't a division winner in your books, they're clearly not a Stanley Cup contender. I just, I think if they could make the playoffs, that's a different story because those guys in the playoffs, I just think over an 82 game season, you know, maybe they have, maybe they change their strategy. We have old guys. Maybe we're not going to play a hundred percent all the time. Maybe we give guys a rest here or there. Maybe Latang sits games and Carlson sits games. I don't know how they're going to go about that, but I don't think that they're like a regular season super team. I think if they make the playoffs, they have a chance to do damage because of all their experience. Because they're going to be so desperate, I wouldn't want to play them. But regular season, I think, is a different story, similar to how we see with Tampa. Uh, I agree. Last year, I 
remember if anyone was listening to the episode where we where we reacted to our hot takes mm, our biggest l yeah. hot take was on behalf of me i'll take full responsibility for that <laughs> i had said that pittsburgh was gonna win the eastern conference final and be a, yeah. a stanley cup team and that was wrong i'm gonna double down on that i think pittsburgh is a contender this year i do i said yeah, it last I year i agree just in terms of motivation, like last year, the yeah. whole argument was these guys went all in. They're going to do something at the deadline. Crosby and Malkin Latang are at the back end of their career. Um, Crosby definitely wants another cup to cement his legacy. The team's there to do it. And I thought that they were going to go out and get secondary weapons to help this team. And they didn't run Hextall kind of messed up my, my hot take. But Kyle Dubas yeah. is, is vindicating me a bit here where they finally gave them extra pieces like Jari is healthy. They finally have a great bottom six. Riley Smith is going to slot into the top six, which moves a guy down. Achari is going to slot into that bottom six as well. Yeah. Those are just the guys that Mike Sullivan likes to play with. When they were winning those cups, they were those third and fourth lines were rolling. Yeah. They grinded. Yeah. And like the only issue that people will say with Pittsburgh is that a they're old, but I think I think that argument isn't great for the next two years, just because we know Crosby is arguably is still still a top five center in the NHL. Yeah. And Carlson just won the Norris, so. They're good. They're kind of ageless right now. The biggest one is that they have no defensive defensemen. And do you think that's an issue? Because when they were winning the cup, yeah, they had won it with who? Dumoulin, Trevor Daly, Ron Hainsey. They can just do it again. Yeah, I think with any other team, I would be concerned. If they were like trying to you know, classify themselves as contenders, I would be concerned. But I th- that's, this is just in their team, this team's DNA. Yeah. To, to not really need those big, burly defensemen who, you know, they're not a team that relies on their defense, and they were, they never have been. So I'm not too concerned. And if anything, they just built on a strength that they have, which is something you want to see teams do more often. I think that's part of Kyle Dubas' mo. So a hundred percent, like a big thing when you grade GM moves is do they make moves that address the needs of the team number one, and does it fit with the culture of the team? And both. this Eric Carlson move both hit that. I would yeah. say right. Um, here's another question for you: Is this the top three power play in the NHL now? They're going to have Crosby, Malkin, Gensel, hmm. Carlson. Latang. I don't know. what Do you know what they were last year off the top of your head? Slightly above average. But they, so they, were, they weren't like top five or anything. No, but these guys were hurt all year. Like they yeah. did with a healthy Crosby, Malkin, Gensel, Carlson, Latang. I think they'll pull. Do you think they're going to play 2D on that? I think they'll pull a Florida Panthers where they play 2D because Carlson, Latang are both two of the better offensive D in the NHL. They are. Do you think that they'll be able to adapt? Because then now only one of them can sort of be high on the blue line being the like quote-unquote quarterback the other one will have to be setting up for one-timers or like playing in a different position do you think both of them are uh, versatile enough either of them are versatile enough to be that non-quarterback on a power play so that's the issue i think that's the variable here that's stopping me from saying they're a for sure top three power play in the nhl two are for sure better edmonton had the best power play in history last year so they're number one they didn't get worse and honestly i think on paper probably would go colorado at number two and then i would say between number three i like at the end of the day, it's still the be Leafs Toronto. have been a top five yeah. power play since like they started being good, and they were second last year. Yeah, um, usually, usually it's Edmonton, Colorado, Toronto. Colorado was hurt last year, so Toronto was number two for most of the year. Um, Toronto or Pittsburgh's power play. I still take the Leafs because we've seen it, but I do think this has the potential to work. If I had to pick between Latang and Carlson to be the quarterback, I'd probably pick the guy who won the Norris and maybe have Latang line up for one time. He has, he has a pretty decent shot. Yep. If he's on like the left half wall or something, I don't know. But if they find a way to make it work and with this set of players and this set of coaching staff, like this set of coaches, wouldn't be shocked if they found a way to work. And if they have a top five power play, I think that's somewhat reasonable to expect. But if they can actually have a top five power play, it's going to be, it seems to be even more dangerous than they already are. For sure. 
For sure. And speaking of dangerous, um, when I think of Carlson finally playing with Malkin and Crosby, yeah. it made me think about, like, if you took this team back to 2015, I have a question for you. Like, Do you think they'd be the best team of all time? Carlson won the Norris in 2015. Malkin won the Hart only two years before that. Crosby won the Hart a year before that. Malkin and Crosby had around 100-point seasons at that time. Carlson was the best defenseman in the league at that time. Would that team have been the best team of all time? Best team of all time. Most talented, if they, we'll call it. If they would have found a way to three-peat with that team somehow, like if they would have won again in 2018, mm-hmm. like if, well, winning in 16, 17, and 18, or 15, 16, 17, like however you want to do it, yeah. then they're in the conversation for sure. Because to three-peat in this era would be remarkable. But not, maybe greatest wasn't the right word because that – that insinuates that you need accolades are they the most talented team like on paper like in the mo- like in recent history probably like if you're like t- like i know we're getting out people like potentially thinking like hab seems in the 70s that when they won whatever four cups in a row five cups all like they were winning the entire decade they're not, i wouldn't put them part of this conversation for this so let's talk about cap mm-hmm. yes if we had this collection of players they'd probably be the most talented in the cap era yeah i don't know how many teams have a norris winner a guy that just won a heart two years ago two guys putting up 120 points malkin was scoring well, 50 at that at time. that point they were you could argue that malkin and cross were the two best centers in the league you could make a really strong argument you'd probably be right at that time for, for sure that's probably in their prime the best one two centers on any team ever Potentially of all time, yeah. And then, and then you add arguably the best defenseman of our generation. I think the only one that competes with them is probably Hedman in those yeah. mid twenty tens. Um, they would have had Carlson in his prime is better. I, yeah, I, and you agree with that? I agree with that too. I think he's more talented as well. Yeah. Um, probably would with be a the flurry, best. With Flurry too. Yeah. When he was good, and Matt Murray when he was coming up. Like what's crazy is like all three of these guys are putting up LeBron esque careers. Where in yeah. year year mid teens, we're still having them as outside shots to win the cup. And I think we'll talk about it pretty soon. Crosby was listed as like the fifth best center in the NHL right now. At what? He was so good. He's 34, so good. 34, 35. He's still great defensively, putting up 100 points. And Carlson putting up 100 points last year. It's, it's pretty cool to see. Well, like, and I was uh, listening to another to another podcast, and the guy was talk, saying um, with CJ, Chris Johnson, show, and, he, and he said, like, are we looking sort of at a Golden State Warriors? Right? Because they. They had their like first round of success, and they tailed off for a bit. And then mm-hmm. when it's two years ago, they won the championship, right? Two years ago, yeah. Two years ago, what their team was old: like Curry, Draymond, Clay. They're all like, they were all like older, and they had a couple of young guys. Don't forget yeah. about Maple Jordan. Who's that? Andrew oh, Wiggins. Wiggins. Yeah, because yeah, Wiggins was new to that team, right? Yeah. So yeah. that could be like kind of a similar situation playing out in hockey, which would be really cool. Yeah. I'm okay. Here's the last question I have for you, and then we'll go. We'll grade San Jose's. Um, We'll give them a grade on this deal. Can Carlson do this again next year? I think it's unrealistic to expect him to do it again, but, I mean, he stayed healthy last year. I have no reason to assume that he got unhealthy in this offseason. Like, if he can if he can stay healthy and he's getting sort of the same five-on-five time as he was last year, mm-hmm. absolutely, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he put up a similar performance. The only issue would be that now he has to split five-on-five and right D time with Chris Letang, who, yes, is unhealthy, but when he's healthy, he's not going to be playing 14 minutes, right? I think the fact that he's going to have to share ice time will be the only you know, thing that could affect his point total, but I think he's going to be extremely effective when he's on the ice. Maybe you don't see 100 points, but 
still going to see like a number one defenseman, I think. Yeah, I, I agree. And in general, when a guy puts up a career year like this, you expect strong reversion to the mean. You saw it with Kadri. You saw it with Jonathan Huberto last year. But Eric Carlson is not that type of player. We saw him yeah. sustainably put up 80, 80-something points. Or even if he didn't put up 80, he was within the 70s range, being dynamic for a large portion of his mm-hmm. career. And the reason that you know, his career kind of, I don't want to say fell off a cliff, but descended yeah. a little bit, is injury. injury. It, it wasn't because he got worse. But the only variable, uh, the other significant variable there is that when he moved to San Jose, not only did he get injured, he had to start splitting time with Brett Burns. And that was a huge thing from last year. You see first year without Brett Burns, mm-hmm. he gets every power play minute, basically. They run for a minute and a half every time, and he gets free reigns to take any shot that yeah. he wants. So on one hand, you say, Eric Carlson's put up 100 points once. He's put up 85 in his career a lot. He's still healthy. He's going to do it again. And then you go, uh-oh, he's splitting time. So I, I I genuinely don't know the answer to this question. I think if you're going to bet on anybody, you bet on Eric Carlson. Yeah. Um, I would expect 65 to 75. Okay. So what what keeping that in mind, what if I put the over uh, over under for Eric Carlson points at 68 and a half? And you're going to – can you guarantee me he plays at least 70 games? I'll guarantee, I'll guarantee you health. Then I'm slapping the over on over. that. Not gambling advice. Okay, <laughs> for sure. That again. Yeah, I agree. Actually, the bi- you, the issue is his health, right? And you you mm-hmm. hope he stays healthy. Eric Carlson's probably my third or fourth best player of all time. I I want everyone to stay healthy, but I'm really cheering for him this year, and I think he can do it. And if he wins a cup, those are two of my That's awesome. three favorite players of all time. It's for me. It's Crosby, Carlson, and Matthews are my three favorite mm-hmm. players of all time. You see two of those guys win a cup. It'll be Carlson's first cup ever. He would be crazy. I think his celebration with a cup would be almost like like Ovi's, just like that release of like all the years of building up that all the injuries, all the yeah. everything comes out in that moment. It would be that would be a really special. If they got to the cup lifting. final, the line there you can there are lines that you can take. You can bet on who is the first person the cup is gonna be passed. It will be him without a doubt. Minus a hundred thousand. It will have to be him for, for sure. The rest of them have won one. Exactly. Normal. If Malkin hadn't won one, then you would go. Yeah. Probably Malkin. Um. But it would a hundred percent. That's one of those stories where, like, if the Leafs would have won, the Thornton would have gotten it right away, kind of thing. Like Spetsa sure. would have gotten it. So, I, I would love to see that happen. Yeah. Actually, we're talking about Carlson Thornton. Let's get on the San Jose vibe. Yes. What did you think about their side of the deal? Did they win lose? Uh, I think on face value, like you talked about, it, it does feel like they could have gotten more. I think just a, a big thing in sort of, I guess, in defense of Mike Greer is that it, I think it had been reported that the owners in San Jose were just not willing to retain more than they did. Oh. And they were like, no, like we need to get this money off of our books because, I mean, from an owner's perspective, if you're a bad team, you don't want to pay a guy $11 million. And so I think keeping that in mind... You got a first. You got some players that maybe he can flip down the line. Like maybe you can flip Hoffman if he has a good season. Some of those other guys. I just think that he had his hands kind of tied. This is the best he could do, maybe under the circumstances. And there was also only one or two teams that were willing to actually play ball with him. So sure. when you don't have that much leverage, it's tough. Like imagine being having the Norris Trophy winner available to trade, and there's literally no market for him because of, he's old, because he makes a lot of money, and because the salary cap hasn't gone up and three years exactly that that's the issue like when you look at this deal on paper and you don't understand the context behind it you would give them a d yeah right? but when you take into account that he had very little leverage i'll move it up to a c plus like they do get 10 million dollars in relief of cap space yeah. and the first they can finally rebuild um 
you would have hoped that they could get more though out of a for sure out of a hundred point Norris winner. I don't think anyone is. I don't think any defenseman has ever hit a hundred points. Or did Yossi hit it that year that McCarr beat him? I think he came really close. Right. I don't. I probably someone in the non-modern era has hit a hundred points. Yeah. Um. But in the modern era, I I don't remember a defenseman doing that. Um. You think they could have gotten more, but at the end of the day, they can finally start rebuilding. Yeah. It's a with him on their team, they were going to be too good to rebuild. Exactly. And even though they picked what like. I think they picked top seven last year. It's still like you need to be in the conversation for f- one, two, three for a couple years in a row before you can really feel like your rebuild's going somewhere. And yep. they're going to suck now. So for sure. I think that they're, you know, if you get a first overall pick, you can maybe consider that in a way part of this package because you wouldn't have gotten it without losing Carlson. But I don't know. Some of those other players that they got, like Jan Ruda, cup winning, right-handed defenseman, those buzzwords make NHL GMs like, fired so Keep like we know okay. we know what they do like they go feral for those types of players they they're get like, excited right right-handed d you want a cup oh my god take my first rounder yeah. like i wouldn't be surprised if they get a second or a third frame if he has a decent season yeah hoffman we've seen him trade at the deadline multiple times for like mid-round picks because he's a guy who can score playing your second third with third line probably on a team with any sort of cup aspirations and then i mean grandland is man but he'll be up at the end of this season so maybe you can trade him if he has i mean someone gave up a second for him last year so even if you get a third form this year i think that's good business so let's wait until that deadline before we fully grade this trade but you're right like on the surface you might want to do better but i think he had a set of circumstances that disallowed him from making a really really good trade mm-hmm. and then lastly it's the habs like Basically, they got a second-round pick to take the rest of the Pens' garbage contracts. They didn't want 75% of Petrie. And then Casey DeSmith, who I think makes a couple million. And is like probably not worth He's serviceable for a, like a team, but with the cap constraints that the Penguins had, you don't need to be paying your backup a couple million dollars. So I, mean, I, I don't have much to say on it, too. Montreal is yeah. kind of just like the filler myth. They're, just, they're there to take on contracts. You get a second, and if, if you can flip Petrie, I mean, flip him, like... If you retain another fifty percent, another team's getting him at twenty five percent of his contract. So, yep. I think there'll be value to be had there if he can be some like some semblance of his best self. I don't know if he will be, but he's back in Montreal. We had success before, so who knows? Yep. I think that kind of kind of the end of that trade. Um, Sama talked about that for twenty six minutes. I can see the counter here. That's a long time, but. I guess there's a couple of signings we should talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, Leaf Killer, Tom Wilson. Remember, <laughs> uh, I think, were we watching that game together in 2017 where you scored that overtime winner? That hurt. Were you, that's that's when we went to the, were you I, at Maple Leaf Square for I that? Never, I've never been to Maple Leaf Square. You we were watching been. it in, I think, in my basement. Not in my basement, sorry. In yes. I can't remember. Regardless. E- the 20, that was three. Oh, that was six years ago now. That's wild, but... He signed an extension one year more than that. Seven years, six point five million. That starts next season, like not the twenty three, twenty four season. It starts in twenty four, twenty five because he was one year out. Mm-hmm. I mean, what do you? Before I talk about it, like I just want to. What do you think about it? Yeah, I mean, seven by six point five. I think they just signed him just so literally nobody else could sign him. Like I, I think the, they were so worried about losing him in free agency that you try to lock him up and hopefully that you can trade him later. I mean, he's a pretty like look, he's he's made yeah. a career of being a gritty player that can score goals as well. And we've talked about yeah. this a lot that those guys are very rare to find. Guys who show up in the playoffs that can finish a check and contribute off the score sheet when they're not scoring that are big 
like power forwards, and he is certainly one of them. Mm-hmm. But he's also certainly a very overrated player. Like when you look yeah. at it in his career, over the last five years, he's played 63, 68, 47 during COVID, 78 games. Like he's played a large number of games. And during these times, he's put up 40, 45, 52 points. Like points. he's not a 75 point player no. that you would expect to make six and a half million. When you look at guys right now, make sorry, getting about 80 to 85 points on the market this year. Those guys like Nylander, Timo Meyer, those guys were making close to nine. So you would expect a 70-ish point player to make seven, six and a half, right? Like, is that is that a round true? Dylan Cousins last year had 70-something points. He's making seven points something. Yeah. I just, I think that this is not, is this not a huge overpayment? Oh, I, I do. I think maybe the defense of Brian McClellan or... Capitals fans is that he brings more to the team than just points. Mm-hmm. Like, sure, I think granted. Like, I'll, I'll give that to you. My only problem with this is that he's going to be thirty when it starts. It's not wow. even the number; it's the term. Yep. Um. And like this team is, they're going to be bad soon. And I think the only reason they kept him around is because they've made this sort of promise or commitment to be competitive while Ovi is there. Yep. And I think this promise is going to hurt them because they're not as good as the Penguins are. They and are so the, the biggest no man's land team of all time. Yeah, they're, they're unfortunately that's where they find they're they're finding themselves now. I, I think because they sort of made this commitment to Ovi that we're going to try and be competitive while you're here. That they have to retain all of their guys to try and continue to make haphazard runs at it. Um, I think it's going to hurt them because if you look at this team on paper, you can take Ovi out of the equation, and you replace his name with some other thirty-six year old. You think we have this guy who, again, GMs get really excited about when you hear six four winger Canadian, he can score thirty goals on a good year, twenty twenty five most years. You don't think they could got they could have got a significant like, trade for him either at the deadline or this offseason if they made him available. Teams would be lining up to give up assets for him. I think mm-hmm. not not that that's the smart thing to do, but I think that's what would have happened. Yep. And then you kickstart some sort of rebuild or some retool because your team is aging and just not good, but. I think because Ovechkin is still around, they're desperate to hold on to as many good players as they can, and you overpay for them. For sure. Even when you look at his micro sets, too, like it's nothing special. 63% expected war. He's within the yeah. bottom quartile of offense. Defensively, he's at best an average winger. I mean, he's not a phenomenal finisher. He doesn't really kill that many penalties on the power no. play. He's not great because we know the only guy with a 99% war on that power play is Ovechkin. He takes every single shot. So I guess that stat's not completely fair. But I, I agree. He's he's an overrated player who you think can score 30. But besides Ovechkin, I feel like I could score five goals. So, I mean, no wonder this guy can score 30. Yeah. I mean, in if this contract was signed four years ago, be great. worth it 100% of the time. Because they were still contenders at that time. Yeah, and he was get he was good he was i don't think he was getting better but he was good and he would have stayed good for the majority of that contract but now i mean i just he's already losing effectiveness i think and he's, he's just he's gonna be 37 when this deal's up like and he's coming off an acl is it acl injury it was, it was, a, uh, it was remember, i, can't I think remember. it was a knee injury something it was kept something him out for significant a year, yeah right so yeah i mean you're right every, it's getting to the point now where every year that he plays he's gonna get worse not better like, is this like a lucic part two undoubtedly right like People couldn't wait for Lucic to get out of town, even though he brought those intangibles with him. Because once the offense starts to dry up, yep. once he's scoring ten goals and getting t- twenty assists, and he's a thirty-point player, no one's gonna. People, fans are gonna be really upset that he's making six and a half. So I think, you know, good for Tom Wilson. He's making a crap ton of money, but I think the Caps and inevitably whoever has to stomach this contract down the road is gonna 
not be the happiest to do so. They're going to be paying a team to take this contract yeah, when it's, it's time to rebuild. It's going to be like San Jose. Yeah, it's going to be San Jose or it's going to be like a future considerations or they're going to have to sweeten the deal like like you just said. So sure. tough luck. I mean, if they can somehow get a run of Stanley Cup run over the next two years, which I just don't see happening, then <laughs> maybe that's when it becomes, you know, you can stomach it. But I just, I don't, I don't know. I don't see it working out to be a success for the team. But for the player, I mean, home run. We're just going to take a brief minute to shut out the sponsor of today's episode, SeatGeek. Looking to enjoy a night out with some friends watching a sports game, concert, comedy show, or music festival? Hit up SeatGeek, an app that helps you find tickets in the cheapest and simplest possible way. By visiting their site, you can see events happening near you, and within one click can instantly get access to tickets at the cheapest possible price. With SeatGeek's price grading system, you can instantly find out whether you're getting a bargain on the tickets you buy. At checkout, be sure to enter code UFRPOD to get $20 off your first purchase. Visit SeatGeek today and revolutionize the way you buy tickets. Next one. You have anything else to say about Tom Wilson? I think the next the next seven year extension that we should probably talk about is Troy Terry seven years seven per except he's not thirty he's twenty five absolute so. fantasy god in the first quarter of yeah. every year he's always top ten in fantasy and then falls off a cliff because Anaheim for some reason is always starts off pretty hot yeah and then loses its magic I mean yeah what are your thoughts on the seven by seven I think for the Ducks this is a good deal I mean this is like one of the only good contracts they've given out recently they signed a Ryan Strom to an incredibly overpaid contract. Gudis got overpaid. Kalorn they gave six and a half to for four years for like God knows why. Um, but he's been one of the bright spots on their t- on, a, on a team that's been really bad mm-hmm. for a few years, and he's turned himself into a sixty-five-ish point player who can score 30, 30, 35 goals in a good year. You have to pay those guys, and I think that Locking came up until he's thirty-two. It's you getting the prime of his career, so. Honest, overall, pretty good. I'd give us like a pretty high grade. Yeah, and he's getting to the point now where he's entering his prime. You expect him to continue in continuously increase his production. Yeah. Excuse me. Is over his last three seasons, he's played forty-eight games, seventy-five, and then seventy, and then has put up twenty points. Then a big jump to sixty-seven. It was kind of his breakout year, and then last year he put up sixty-one. You'd hope yep. now that he's entering his prime, playing with some some yeah. probably better players better. over the next three to four years of his career. You hope that he puts up seventy, and if he puts up seventy to that's eh, 67 to 73, 75. This becomes worth the money. And yeah. if not, seven isn't a big enough cap hit that it ruins your team, right? I mean, if you're going to pay Kalorn, what, six million, seven million for Troy Terry isn't bad. He's Absolutely. now going to get to play with a better Trevor Zegers, yep. a better um, McTavish. He's going to play with Leo Carlson as well. Like, Yeah, I forgot about Leo Carlson. There's going to be, and you hope Jamie Drysdale. Yeah. Kalorn's still good in the power play, so I'm sure he'll rack up some power play points. And Exactly. The, the, I guess the thought was, I forget that GM's name. How do I forget it? All the time. Pat Verbeek. Pat Verbeek's thoughts were probably, if this guy's putting up 60 to 70 points playing with nobody, you'd hope with our improved core, with the guys that we brought in, maybe he gets 75 and then 7 million's worth it, right? Yeah, I think I think it's going to be a worthy contract, especially as the cap goes up. Yeah, and also when you look at his micro stats, like he's in the close to 100 percentile of all passing stats, zone entries and exits. Sorry, zone entries. He's in the upper 90th percentile. Like he's a good play driver. Zone exits. It's not as great, but he's a, he's a forward, so you worry more about entries. Mm-hmm. Puck control is good too. Puck battles. He wins more battles than he doesn't. And then like his shootings, he 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 creates 
I think he's in the 87th percentile of chances created, which is something that you look for off the rush, especially a guy that has good entries on transition. Like this is yeah. a guy that if he's having a career year with a good, um, with good line mates can get you 80. I think I'm like at his best, he can probably be a 75 to 80 point player. Yeah. But before we like move on, do you have anything else to say about Troy Terry before I ask you about Trevor Zegers? No, go ahead. Okay. Well, he's the guy that they stopped to sign. I think he's an RFA or he's a year out of their negotiations. Regardless, mm-hmm. what do you think Zegers is worth right now? If you were signed to the contract, what, what would your number that you had to guess would be? He's, he's younger than Troy Terry, right? He's like going to be an R he's an RFA. Like a, this is after his first entry level contract. When you look at the RFA market, Cole Caulfield got seven points something, right? Yeah. Seven points by a roughly. Eight, yeah. Jack w- Hughes got eight by eight. That way. Yeah. Trevor Zegers, I'd probably say for going off those contracts, probably worth like 7.3, 7.4. I think that's, that's, I think that's pretty reasonable. There's also an intangible he brings to your market as well is that he's a spotlight, right? Like he's he's a a very flat, flashy player, excuse me. And if that increases jersey sales or ticket sales, like you Mm -hmm. take that. Yeah, he's a big name. Okay. Second question. If you were an RFA in Trevor Zegers' position, knowing that the cap is going up in a couple of years, would you take an 8 by 8 now? Or would you want to take a shorter-term deal, bet on yourself, and cash in? I would take a shorter-term deal if I was in Trevor Zegers' spot yes. right now just because he is on a team that is getting better. If okay. you're his agent, if you're him, you're saying, the points that I'm putting up now are probably my floor because I've been playing with bona fide AHL mm-hmm. players. Our draft looked good. The guys we brought in are good. Um, my line mates are going to get better, and I am going to get better. At the very least, I'd expect to put up what I put up last year on a down year. And if you're going to bet on yourself and continue, you know, increasing in trajectory, you'd hope next year you put up 10 more points. And at the very worst, if I'm his agent, I'm saying, hey, look, if you put up the same points you put up this year, three years from now, you'll probably make two or three more on an average annual value just because the cap is going up. I Um, think that makes sense. Yeah. But now I want to ask like you, just pretend you had Trevor Zegers' point totals. You were like a 65-point player coming out of their entry-level contract. Would you want to take a long-term deal for 8x8, eight eight, or would you feel comfortable betting on yourself? I would bet on myself. You would bet on yourself? The reason why I bet on myself is because in Trevor Zegers' position, betting on yourself isn't a one-year by $7 million deal. It's a four by what? Six? Seven? Probably th- two or three-year deal. At the end of the day, you're telling me, worst-case scenario, betting on myself didn't work. I still have $25 million in my bank account, and there's an 80% chance I can make a $50 million contract later on. The downside's pretty low because I'm still getting paid when I'm betting on myself, yeah. right? But what if, like, God forbid you got an injury and you, you, you like, said no to 64? Like, wouldn't, would that thought not creep into your mind when they Anaheim slides you a check saying, we're going to pay $64 million guaranteed over eight years? That's not hard. Is that not hard to say no to? It is hard to say no if my next best option was to have $0 on a contract. But because betting on myself still implies I get $25 million, I'm willing to risk 64 and make 25 when i can make 85 in three years you know what i'm trying to say you know what you're trying to say i don't know if i could do that myself though well you're with the consensus because most of these big players that i was questioning their agents on why they took these deals are taking deals that you're talking about yeah because i i don't know like obviously we're different people but like having the security would like okay now i can just like play loose and like i don't know like i would just feel more comfortable but but some people like the the, the pressure like they like to like have someone to work towards or like a like i think you're better under the pressure like that like even when we like 
just play sports for fun and you're and i'm like well you're not gonna make this shot and then you're like you're like oh yeah and then you make it like you like that a little yeah you just you like that added pressure yeah but i would be like i got 64 million dollars i don't have to worry about money anymore i can just focus on hockey yeah see so i think we're saying the same thing i me making 25 million and betting on myself is i would still have that thought yeah i I wouldn't though that that's that's the thing okay i think that's just we just think differently in that sense that's fair i think the biggest that's why i asked you the question the biggest thing is injury too and like that's what i mean but i want to know what percentage of young players have a career-ending injury when they bet on themselves it's probably not high but it's just like the 0.1 percent chance it's like is that 0.1% chance you're willing to take? If, if some people will be yes, but it will be no. Yeah. Worst comes to worst, I end up with $25 million in my bank account. I'm still in the top 0.0001%. Yeah. But you're, you're right. Like, if you go to sleep at night saying, oh, my God, I could add $70 million, it's different. I think that the thought that would hurt me even more is me me going big on a contract and putting up 115 points and saying, I didn't bet oh. on myself. You know what I mean? That would hurt, too. But I guess like you can be like ah, sub seventy five. Yeah. I guess it, it, I think it just really depends on the way that you each person ra- like thinks about those outcomes. Yeah. Some people are like, yeah, screw it. I got twenty one million. If I take a seven by three, twenty one million is still incredible, and I can make a hundred million. That's how Austin Matthews would think because he wants to take a short term deal now to cash in. I agree. And, and worst comes to worst, if Z- if you're Zegris and you go seven by eight. You'd be what? Or like seven by whatever. You'd be 30 when this deal is done, 31. Maybe just, I don't know how old he is, to be honest, but he'd be in and around 30, either 28 to 31, somewhere in there. Washington Capitals, you might get another $42 million deal. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) That's very true. It's not over. Um, In terms of other signings, I don't know if we were, do you want to talk about Sammy at all? Do you think it's worth having that conversation? feels like old news, but we can talk about it a little bit. Yeah, like really quickly, he, he asked for what, six? They asked, Toronto asked for two and a half. He ended up getting three something. 3.55. I mean, the Leafs are are going to go through their best core in their history, besides the 50s or whatever it is, without a bonafide number one goalie to give them a chance in the playoffs. And we know this every single year. Like Teams that win cups always have a phenomenal goalie. Whether you're getting hot, like Aiden Hill statistically, then we say he had the best Stanley Cup finals ever. Or the Florida Panthers got hot with Bobrovsky. Or you have a Vasilevsky type goalie who's just phenomenal. There's only one goalie in my mind, one team in my mind that has ever won a cup that I can remember with a bad goalie, and that's Colorado because Bennington was good at that time too. He was really good, right? The argument is that you need a number one goalie that can get hot. The Toronto Maple Leafs have tried for years to get value on a goalie that they hope gets hot at the right time, and instead he gets cold at the wrong at the wrong time. Samsonov last year, nine games in the playoffs, coming off by the way like a 925 save percentage during the regular season had an 898 in the 2023 playoffs. Like you just don't win games like that. And it seems like they're going to try to do it again. I just don't know what other recourse they had. Connor Hellebuck. Well, with what money? That's the problem. Package Nylander in a deal for Connor Hellebuck. That's crazy. Why not? Get Gabe Velarde, Connor Hellebuck in a second. He give you William Nylander. <laughs> I think they would want more back. That's the problem. That's true. I, I, it, it's hard. There's I know what you mean, though. In an ideal world, they absolutely get a goalie. I just think they've, they're they cap-strapped, and they have been for since the pandemic. Yep. I think this is the best that they could have kind of hoped for. It's like whatever. He's going to walk next year when he's a UFA for sure, and mm-hmm. hopefully he walks because he's going to make a crap ton of money because he had an incredible season with the Leafs, and they went on a deep run. That would be ideal. At the end of the day, he's going to walk. I just don't think they could have afforded – at least, you, at least, sorry. At least you kind of know what you're getting with him. I don't think they could have afforded to walk away from him and then be like Wall, Martin Jones, and nothing. 
The Martin Jones ones confuses me too because isn't Joseph Wall hasn't he earned being the backup? I think I think Martin Jones is just depth. Okay, so I don't think he's like gonna be the backup. He's I don't think in the so because they saying. signed him to league men, right? Yeah, yeah. I think they, I think Joseph Wall deserves to be the backup. The only other reason I can see them getting Martin Jones to backup is so that you give Joseph Wall like the time to actually play all the time in the AHL. Where in the NHL he may be playing one out of every three or four games, mm-hmm. maybe one out of every three. That could be the only thing. It's also good to have just to have some competition because I think Shalgren left, right? So just have another guy in the rotation. And we've seen even with um, the Panthers at times this year with Vegas especially, like having more than two NHL quality goalies is important because the Vegas has gone through like four or five at different points in their short history. So it's not. I don't think it's a terrible thing to have organizational depth. I just I don't think he's going to be playing in the NHL by default. But yeah, watch him get claimed off of waivers. Like everyone <laughs> claims the Leafs' third goalie off of waivers. But maybe that's a Dubis thing only. Do you think that's a Dubis thing? Do you think teams like to mess with Dubis or do they like to mess with the Leafs? I don't think it's either. I just think like Kyle Dubis does well at finding value. So when a guy goes on waivers, he's probably better than the average waiver player and he gets claimed. Yeah. Yeah. That's thing you think that's it? I doubt it. There's all this stuff in there's all this conspiracy in the NHL yeah, there about is. not giving offer sheets because you don't want to piss off GMs. Like it would it would be kind of crazy if they're pissing off GMs off waiver pickups. Yeah. I guess. I don't know. I'm just angry. So, <laughs> Bring back Kyle Dubas. Okay. Last signing that we're going to talk about is Tarasenko. One-year deal, $5 million to the Senators to kind of basically replace the Brinkett. Yep. Do you like it? Yeah. I mean, he, that's what you said. He's he's a good replacement for Brinkett. He's not what he used to be, but he's no. still a good finisher. Their top six is still very good. But I said this last year. I think one thing that hurt them is there's too many guys that were that wanted the puck last year. And you would argue that Tarasenko probably demands the puck a little bit less than Debrinket, especially because Debrinket was on a contract here. He probably wanted to score a lot to get his to get to, to get that contract. And if he's their sixth forward, I think Vladimir Tarasenko, even on the back end of his prime as your sixth forward, still puts you in conversation for having one of the better top six in the NHL, but certainly not better than the Leafs. And I'm happy that conversation isn't coming to light again this year. Yeah, I think they learned their lesson. Yeah, but yeah, I agree. I mean, 18 goals in 69 games last year, so you could. Um, envision him being a 20 goal scorer i think the biggest thing is just having norris stay healthy yeah because if norris stays healthy i think stutzla has taken over as the number one center on that team like he's a 90 point player so you get josh norris tarasenko and one of batherson or Giroux. that's a fantastic second line i can see that working very well i just think you need them all to stay healthy and if that's the case then you get this the top six you were looking for last year. Wouldn't you love Josh Norris to stay I healthy? I would love for Josh Norris <laughs> to stay healthy. Why Only good thing is that he's why. a free keep for me. Why don't you tell everyone why you'd love him to stay healthy? Because I've been betting on him every year in my fantasy league that we that we play in together, and he's been sitting on my IR rotting for two years in a row. It was a bittersweet moment. When, well, first of all, anyone getting hurt is bitter. I don't want to say you hope guys yes. get That's not what I'm saying. But in terms of fantasy... Um, I had Stutzla last year, and yeah. it was a bittersweet moment between us when Josh Norris went down and Stutzla got to play with Kachuk. He would not be a 90-point player <laughs> if Norris stayed healthy. He wouldn't, and I think now that he showed that he can do that, that's the first line for until Stutzla is no longer a senator. Yeah, I agree. He's he's unbelievable, and that, and he's on a pretty great deal for them too. Yep. Um, but yeah, I mean, if this top six stays healthy, like, are they a playoff team? Ottawa. No. 
Okay. No. Why? Sorry, not, I didn't forget what team Tarasenko was on. I was trying to think about the craziness of that statement. We're having this conversation again. Is Ottawa a playoff team? There's no chance Ottawa makes the playoffs in the next three years. No, no chance. They're not winning. They're not a division team. You're not okay. telling me they're better than Tampa. You're not telling me they're better than Toronto. And I'm sorry when you have that third spot between Florida, who just made the cup finals, oh, and about Florida. shows that they can go on a run, or Boston, whoever year we say is going to suck and ends up being good. I'm taking one of those two teams over Ottawa. Then when you look into the wild card, they're going to have to compete with a wild card team in the Metro. There's a chance that the Sabres get hot. The Wings aren't terrible anymore. They're just they're not good enough to for sure be a playoff okay. team. And I think their probability of making the playoffs is like 25 to 40 percent. So I no. agree. I also yeah, I just agree. don't like the senator, so I hope yeah. they don't make the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> Clip that one. <laughs> no, just bias aside, which seems impossible after that statement. They play in the hardest division in the NHL. Yeah. And the division that we compete with for a wild card spot is the second hardest division in the NHL. And they're just not deep enough where it matters. Yeah, I, I can't disagree with that. But you talked about Boston. We think we, they're always going to get worse. We have a tangible reason to believe that they will get hurt. So worse, my God, hurt, worse. Mm-hmm. But before we kind of try and envision a world where Boston's bad, let's maybe talk about Patrice Bergeron first, who officially retired. Um, I mean, if you're a Leafs fan, you don't like what he's done to your team over the past, whatever, 10 to 12, 15 years, but you have to, you have to respect it. This guy has been one of the best two-way sentiment, sentiment period, over the last 15 years, um, hell of a career, and, and now he retires on top. If you're going to say that two-way centerman means you need to be good defensively, obviously, um, he's probably the best two, probably the best two-way player of all time, him or Detsuk, I would oh, say, yeah. are up there. First ballot Hall of Famer, undoubtedly. 1,040 points in around 1,200, 1,200 games. I believe he has six Selkies. They should <laughs> rename that trophy to the Patrice Bergeron <laughs> trophy. Um, yeah, one of the best... One of the best players I had ev- I've ever seen, especially when he played um, in the in the Olympics, him, Marshawn, and Crosby. Probably my favorite line to watch. Insane. And that's me saying that as a Leafs fan who strongly dislikes Marshawn and Bergeron. That was a great line. Yeah. I mean, I think we've had this discussion before about if you were a professional athlete, would you play until you literally couldn't anymore? Like you're 38 and you're barely making fourth lines? Mm-hmm. Or would you retire when you felt you're on top and you could have your say about like, no, I'm retiring. I'm not like sort of retiring because I don't have a job. I think we like, I remember you saying at times that you would like want to play for as long as you can. Do you still, would you still, if you're Bergeron, would you play, keep playing? A hundred percent. He's still good enough to put up 60 points. He won a Selkie last year. This team was the best team of all time last year. I'm sure if he stays, Don Sweeney makes a better effort to keep Bertuzzi or to keep Hall. Um, the argument is is that this team would have still been good enough to make a playoff run next year. Mm-hmm. Um, and now that he – like, why why would you ever retire when your team is still good enough to win a cup? And he's still good. Like, it would be a different conversation if he played for yeah. San Jose and was Patrick Marlowe where he could barely make a team. But in Patrice Bergeron's stance, 100% I'm playing. I th- I don't know. I, I do think there's something to be said for retiring when, when you're on top. Like, you have the agency to do it. Plus, I mean, dude, this bot, this guy's body has just been through it. He herniated a disc last season. Yeah, that's true. If, but you're asking me th- that that's now are, is my body forcing me to retire? No. So I like. But like, you can envision a world where like, Patrice Bergeron is 16 and like has trouble moving because he's like body's so beaten up. Like he can play right now, sure. Yeah. 
maybe he's thinking like down the road when I'm a grand when I'm a granddad I can't even like move and I gotta like go and play with my grandkids That's or something fair. like I I don't know like, I feel like that had to be tied into his decision because he was ready to retire last year. That's true. That's true. That you you forget that these guys have a life after hockey, yeah, I, and even though we consider them quote unquote old at 35, they're still very young when they exit hockey. Yeah, I remember that. Um, documentary with Ryan Kessler. Do you remember that? Where oh, yeah. He just wakes, one, right? wakes up in extreme pain because of what he put his body through. Yeah. So, yeah, I agree. Maybe not. And also, though, like, it's kind of badass to be like, I'm still good enough, but actually, like, I'm leaving. Yeah. Peace out. Like, I'm, it's kind of a mic drop, and pull I like kind of respect it. Pull like a Megatron in the NHL type thing, Calvin Johnson. Yeah, he retired. he retired early. Andrew Luck retired early, too. Yeah. And obviously, a different game. Like, the health risks, I think, in the NFL are substantial, maybe. Even though the NHL is a violent league, it's, I don't think, I think the NFL is his own beast. We can be real about that, but yeah, I th- with him gone, yeah. Now look, we'll give him his flowers. Kudos, he had a great career. Thank you for retiring. Because does that mean like, what? Do we, what can we expect Boston to be next year? If we had the the ability to clip what we said last year and put it back in this podcast, we should. Because I remember at this exact time mm-hmm. last year, we said. The Boston Bruins probably aren't going to make the playoffs. I got to hope to God that they're a 500 team by January yeah. when Marshawn and McAvoy come back. They're not going to be good. Finally, the Leafs don't have to face a good Boston. And I can't remember what happened to Boston again last year. They, I think they just accidentally became the best regular season team of all time. Yeah. So now, again, let's turn back the clock a little bit. Yep. Marshawn is declining. Pasternak and McAvoy are insane. Hall is gone. Bertuzzi is gone. Orlov is gone. Allmark will not be a Vesna winner again next year. Like, he just won't. Yeah. Bergeron's gone. Krejci's gone. Krejci's gone. Without knowing that the Boston Bruins are the— bo- Like, without understanding their success and their resilience, yeah. you would think this team would be seventh in the Atlantic. <laughs> At some point, they have to not be good. Like, I just don't— I, I can't fathom that not being this year. Their first two centers are Charlie Coyle and Pavel Zaka. Yeah, but they're the Boston Bruins. I know, but like, I I don't know how you're good with JVR as your second line left winger. Like, I, I, I just can't. I can, sure, can you like paint me a picture where it happens? Like, obviously, because it's Boston, but like, thinking logically, I just, I don't see it. No, I, I don't see it either, but it's going to happen. They're going to be third in the division or second in the division. At worst, they're going to be a wildcard team. The Boston Bruins will make the playoffs next year. I don't know how, but they will. That's insane. I, I would, I mean. If you had to put all of your money on Boston to make the playoffs or not this year, are you actually <laughs> going to take them not? Like, really? Are you going to say no? No, I'm not going to say no because yeah. I don't want to bankrupt myself. But but if you had to, yes or no, what are you What are you going to do? Jeez. Uh, I'd probably I'd probably say yes. Yes, even though every single yeah. investing commercial says past returns don't predict future ones. The best predictor of the future is the past. Yeah, and with Bo- sports for sure. And Boston is resilient, and Boston will make the playoffs again. Uh, I just they've lost so many pieces. I mean, they're granted their top four d- defensemen are still really good. Yep, like Carlo McAvoy, Lindholm. I forget who else is there, but somebody I'm missing. Someone substantial. It's just if if you were to put if you were to hide every other position and you just showed me the top two centers on your team or two centers who have never been better than third line centers, I'd be like, oh, this team's like this is this is Arizona. Yep. But they're the Boston Bruins. But they're the they're not. They're the Boston Bruins. So speaking of, why don't you do me a favor and rank the Atlantic Division for me, or I can rank it for you, um, knowing 
you know, Ottawa's getting better, Buffalo's yeah. getting better, Boston's getting worse. Okay. Florida's I'll, weird. I'll rank it. Okay, go. I think because I don't think Boston's going to be like that good, someone asks us to be in first. Yeah. I think Toronto should be in first based on their regular season performance and the fact that they're the best team on paper in the Atlantic. Mm-hmm. I would probably say that Tampa is second. They've always been a top three team. So Toronto, Tampa. This is where it gets interesting for me because I'm so high on Buffalo. Buffalo at three? I. How spicy should I be? Okay, keep it going. Go. The floor okay. is yours. Well, let me restart just so we can be cohesive. First, I think it's Toronto. I think they're going to win the Atlantic. I think Tampa's going to come in second because you really can't bet against them. And hot take, I actually, I'm really high on Buffalo. I think they're going to have, a f- they're going to come out of the gate. I think they're going to be incredible. I think they're going to come in third in the Atlantic. I think, um, I think, the f- I think the Panthers are going to come in fourth. I think Boston's going to come in fifth. Oh, that's going to bite you. I think the Senators, Red Wings, and Canadians round out the division. Yeah, that that's hot. That is definitely hot for that's multiple reasons. That's what I'm going reasons. for. It's summer, baby. Number one, the Toronto Maple Leafs have never won this division since we've been alive. But who who realistically is going to win it? The the Leafs should have won it last year too. Okay, but but this is like we're not expecting Boston to be a historic team this year. No, I I know, but we weren't expecting them to be last year either. No, I I, I know, but like they're not going to be next year. So I'm saying, who who else do you think would win it? I have Toronto in my one too. Okay. Heck. <laughs> Yeah, if I have to rank it, I'll go eight through one. Montreal at eight, undoubtedly the worst team yeah. on paper. Haven't made any great moves, to be honest. I mean, I think that's easy. I think there's a consensus here that Montreal is the eighth best team in the Atlantic. Number seven, I'm going to say the Detroit Red Wings. They got to brink it. They re-signed Larkin. They're definitely better than they were last year, but the Atlantic is just too strong. Yeah. You put the Red Wings in the Pacific, I'll put them sixth or fifth. Number six, I'm sorry, I got Buffalo. Like, Buffalo is a very strong team. It just speaks to how deep the Atlantic is. Deline got better last year. Thompson got better last year. But they're not better than Ottawa. I- I'm sorry, Ottawa is yeah, in my five. They finished better than Ottawa last year. They did, but Ottawa's top six is just... They are they have a conversation to be the second best top six in the Atlantic, in my opinion. They're going to get okay. a full year with a healthy Shabbat and Chikorin. Like, that first Ooh. line pairing is going to eat minutes. They're going to be very good. And like their goaltending situation isn't as bad as it was last year. Who's the guy that they just Corpus signed Allo. again? Corpusalo. Uh, yeah, and I think they're they're young as I well in that too. That. Yeah, like they're they got better. Ottawa is in my five comfortably. I'm sorry. Okay. Number four, Boston. The only reason why Boston isn't um isn't higher is because like we said, they lost Orlov, they lost Bertuzzi, they lost Hall, they lost Bergeron. If you took this team, moved them to Arizona, and told me that. They lost all these guys. I probably would have put them seventh, but they're the Boston Bruins. They know how to win. Something in that culture. They're going to make the playoffs next year. I don't know how, but they're going to do it. They're going to do it with Pavel Zaka as their first-line center. Don't understand <laughs> how. Number three, I'm going to say Florida. The reason is because Florida has so much upside in the sense that we now know Kachuk is probably a top— not probably. He's definitely a top-ten player in the NHL. Brandon Montour has shown that he can put up 70, 75 points. You hope Bobrovsky stays 80% of what he was last year. And we have seen that this team has the ability to go on a run. They made a cup final. Like, how do I not put them in my top three? And then number two, number one, not much debate. Tampa Bay at number two, Toronto at number one. You know what? Toronto at number one is a hot take because they've never done it before. But I think it's less hot than it was last year because they beat Tampa in the first round. I just don't know how you can say that Buffalo is a better team than Ottawa. And I want you to enlighten us a little bit. I just think that I really like the direction of their their back end like own power rasmus dalina i mean 
two of two of the best defensemen under twenty three in the NHL. Mm-hmm. You have I can't like let me literally just pull up their team now before I make a fool of myself. On um, forward they have Tuck, they have Thompson, yeah. they have Skinner, they have Cousins. Um, exactly. So let me look at their defense, right? Rasmus Dallin, Matias Samuelson's quite good. Yep. Owen Power. They got Connor Clifton. They have Yoki Haru, and they also got Eric Johnson, who was Cup experience. That's a pretty solid top six. Mm-hmm. A good mix of young, really good young, and good veteran players. And then yeah, moving up, like I think what the problem is is that they are they're lacking some depth on the wing, and so that's where I think this prediction can come back to bite me because their top line is is good. Tate Thompson, Alex Tuck, money in the bank. Jeff Skinner, yes, is still overpaid, but doesn't mean he's bad. He should be scoring 30 goals on his team. Maybe I looked, Maybe I was blinded by this first line because then you get to the second line and it's like, what are we working with here? <laughs> but hey, we've seen worse teams make better runs. That's true. So I, I, I don't know. I just, I've kind of been high on this team. Also, Devin Levi, young goalie. You never know what he can, can be. I don't know. I just, I just want to see them do well. I think that they have the talent, the up, like this, they have like superstar caliber talent, mm-hmm. I think now, which is not something you could have said about them in the past. Yeah. I don't know. I just have a, I have a good feeling. Do I have the logic and the data to back that up? No, but it's summer and I'm going to be, I'm going to be, I'm going to make no sense. If you I sound want like to. a classic Toronto Maple Leafs fan. Does the data back it up? No, because data's not real. Let's just go with data the vibes. Is, data isn't real. Analytics suck. <laughs> Dom doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I could definitely see a world where Buffalo beats Ottawa. I yeah. can definitely see a world where Ottawa beats Buffalo. Well, that that first ranking is going to be the one that makes it on TikTok because hopefully there'll be people getting angry at me. That's kind of what we hope for. Yep. If I had to redo this now, having like a, a like a clearer mind and not, you know, distracted by Tate Thompson, Asmus Dalin, and Owen Power, I'd probably, yeah, put them fifth. And bump Boston up and bu- bump Boston and and Florida up one, but that it wouldn't be fun if I did that. So yeah, I agree. Sem- it's also semantics. Like all these teams are definitely good enough to make the playoffs in any other division. Yeah, the Atlantic is just arguably the hardest division in sports. I agree. Yeah. We're just going to take a brief intermission here to shout out the sponsor of today's episode, Manabo Town. Located in North York, Ontario, Manabo Town is ready to support you with all of your pregame luxury wear. Ranging from sharp suits to sleek shirts and pristine ties, Manabo Town is here to elevate your game to the next level. Visit Manabo Town today or find them on Instagram at manabotown265 to learn more about how they can assist you. We're kind of towards the end. We just have a couple like fun things that we wanted to do. Yeah, I mean, we're already ranking. Why don't we just continue to rank the top five players in the okay. league for next year? We That's something a, that we wanted to do, yeah. We have a bunch of rankings left. We're gonna also going to do a draft pretty soon. We'll talk about overpaid, underpaid players. We'll react to the top 20 centers in the league. Stick around because this is where all the TikTok clips are coming out. And we're yeah, just it's going to just be like hot take after. Yeah, maybe not hot take after hot take, but things that you can do in your own head yeah for like all people our age like the next things that we're going to talk about are very much like lunchtime high school conversations this player is better than this player and i think it makes them fun so let's start off with our top five players you spoke about it off air a little bit i'm pretty sure anyone's top five has the same collection of five guys except maybe they're five there's some leeway but your top four of your top five need to be in there it depends on who's there yeah so you can start and then i'll go okay I'm taking playoff performance into account. Of course. Okay. Uh, should I go five to one or one to five? Five to one. Five to one. At five, um, 
after having just said I'm going to take playoff performance into account, I'm putting Nathan McKinnon at five. Yep. Um, I'm putting Nathan McKinnon at five because I just don't think he's better than number four, who I have Austin Matthews. I know McKinnon's won a cup and he's, you know, been a game breaker in the playoffs, but Matthews is a better goal scorer, better two-way player. We don't have to go through all the list of trophies that he's won. I just think he's slightly better than McKinnon. The margin's slim. I just think he's better. At three, I have Kale McCarr, best defenseman in the league. Kind of the best defenseman we've seen in a long time in terms of being in the early 20s, dominating the position as soon as they enter the league. Playoff performer. The guy does it all. Best defense in the league and will be for the next 10 years. There's no way two and one come from the same team. I said I said, I said I'm taking playoff performance into account because I needed to give context to having Dry Title as the second best player in the NHL. Okay. What he's done in the two playoff runs, um, being over 120 points for the past two to three years, like points per game-wise, I just don't... For me, I, I, I don't know how there's like... I, I can't put Matthews ahead of him anymore until Matthews just does what we know he can do on the in the playoffs and has another like 56 to go season okay i think dry saddle is two as much as it pains me to say that as a leafs fans i think that's the case and then of course free space mcdavid at one i mean i don't know if you agree but i had to think about this one and i feel comfortable you had to think about i had to oh, think about five. i had to think about putting my car three because yeah. he was in there from me i i i, I didn't know if putting him above matthews or below matthews uh, and I had, to, I had to like really think I had to reflect about putting dry settle too, but I think it was the right the right answer. Yeah, my top five are the same, so I think I'm going to um, I'll give my top five as more of an explanation to why I'm choosing. Yeah, the exact same ranking as me. I got one different. One okay, different. We'll see. what one, was it? One different. I got my I got my card too. I got my card, card too. Yeah. So like starting off with McKinnon at five, I I don't know if you agree. Most dynamic player in the NHL besides besides McDavid. Connor McDavid. Yeah. He's never had a hundred point season until last year because he's never been healthy until last year. But he's got the most cup success of anyone on your list, my list too, besides yes, Bill McCarr. Yes, true, actually. Right? And he can get you 50 goals and 100 points in any season that he's healthy. Has he scored 50? No, but he will next okay. year when he's healthy. Number four, and it pains me to say this for the first time, I agree. Austin Matthews is at four and he's not at three. Like at the end of the day, Austin Matthews is getting a lot of hate in the media right now for people saying he's not top five, he's not top 10. Austin Matthews put up 40 goals in a down year with a wrist injury. And if I took away Austin Matthews and said player A, is a two-time Rocket Richard winner, mm-hmm. a Hart winner, gets Selkie votes, had a 60-goal season, arguably the best goal scorer in the league, six all-time in points in goals per game after six seasons. The only guys ahead of him are <laughs> Mike Bossy, Lemieux, Bure, Dye, and Deneni. That's crazy. He's above Wayne Gretzky, above Leon Dreitseidel, above Ovechkin. Six seasons is a big enough sample yeah. size. Probably the best goal scorer in the NHL. Everyone is saying this guy is top three, if not top two. The only thing holding him back is that you know, he hasn't been great in the playoffs. But when you look at it, player X has 22 goals and 22 assists in 50 games in his career in the playoffs. Still a good player. He's a great player. A, basically a point per game. Yeah. The only reason why he's not ahead of Leon Dreitsaddle is because Leon Dreitsaddle is so much exponentially better in the playoffs yeah. that you have to put him above. And also another reason is because situationally, Austin Matthews isn't great in the playoffs. In the second round last year, he had two assists and a plus minus of minus one in five games, which just isn't good enough. You need to show up. That You need to show up. It isn't good enough. Number three, I got Leon Dreitseidel, arguably the best goal scorer in the NHL. Defense has gone better, still bad, yeah. has gotten better. The only reason he's above Matthews is playoff performance. Like one stat that blows my mind is it took Marchessault seven more games last year to get the same number of goals. <laughs> That's, yeah. Like a guy that 
got exited in the second round of the playoffs almost led the the league in playoff goals. He had 13 goals and five assists in in 12 games. That's stupid. Yeah, and in more his, goals in games. More goals in games. It's it, it's insane. The only reason Drysaddle is above Matthews is because he's on any given day just as good as a goal scorer and better in the playoffs. And yeah, yeah. Number two. Oh my god, I have to cough. <coughs> Excuse me. Number two, Kale McCarr. Positional value, like over a point per game in his career. Norris, Conn Smythe, Cop, Calder. <laughs> Take a drink. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I'm going to start crying. <coughs> Excuse me. Clip that back onto TikTok. Like what other player in the NHL is over a point as a... <laughs> Take a drink. I got no more lemonade. Give me some of your lemonade. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, I'm tearing up. Oh my god, I'm tearing up. <laughs> Keep going. This is not we're clipping this in. No. <laughs> Number two is a hundred percent Kale McCarr. Positional value. Like he's over a point per game in his career. And I'm crying as I say this because his his stats are just so good. Norris winner, Consmith winner, Calder, undoubtedly the best defenseman in the NHL. Yeah. All other defensemen putting up over a point per game can't play defense. Like Roman Yossi. Your Carlson. Yeah, Carlson. Like this guy statistically. It's one of the better defensemen in the NHL. Yes. And then number one doesn't really need explaining. Yeah, it's a free space. Connor McDavid. Yeah, I mean I'm surprised that we I'm surprised that we both ended up succumbing to the dry side of better than Matthews. But I think it for the time being it's that that's that has to be the case until Matthews proves otherwise. My gosh, I had such a coughing fit there. My mouth got so dry. My throat, I don't know what happened. I got so dry. I need more lemonade. started closing cause it, because the Leafs gauze heard you say that you like think dry side is better than Matthews and then like we're going to give you anaphylaxis. I need my assistant to bring me some lemonade. There's only one problem with that. Your assistant's guzzling on lemonade as we speak. <laughs> my assistant's on this podcast with me. <laughs> we're co-assistants to each other. But yeah, it's and good. We'll get heat on TikTok for saying that Matthews is in the top five, but like undoubtedly he's in the top. Five. He is. I mean, like, but it, that's like the thing though. Like, the people love to hate the Leafs. People make a living off of hating the Leafs. People in Toronto make a living off of hating the Leafs. Yeah. So I mean, there's a value to there's there's value in that. What do we want to do next? Do we want to do a, a draft, or do we want to do the overpaid, underpaid? Like, what's? Let's save the draft to the end. Let's keep reacting to to top. Sure. Top players in NHL. I'm gonna read the top 20 centers to you in the NHL. Top 20 centers released okay. by NHL.com. I'll give you top 10, and okay. I'll let you tell me. An NHL rank. NHL made this list. Yeah, you let me know what. Who's missing or whatever? Who's better. Okay. So, actually, you know what? We'll guess it. Number one. Who's your number one? Who do you think's number one? Uh, McDavid. McDavid. Easy. Did Who do you think? Do they have Drysaddle as a center in this list? They do. Who's number two? Him. No. What? Take is it Mc, is it McKinnon? It's Nathan McKinnon at okay. two. Okay. I mean, Num- fair. Number three, Leon Drysaddle. Yeah. Number four. Should be Matthews. Matthews, who's at number five? Now that that's where it gets subjective. Like I can see and follow along at home if you're listening. Try to guess it too. Jack Hughes could close, be there. Close. Braden Point of fifty goals last year. You just got six and seven. You're missing okay. five. Okay. The only other I was gonna say Sid. Sydney's at five. Okay. Sid's Sydney at five. five. Jack Hughes at six. Braden Point at seven. Number eight. Number eight. Hmm. Rupe Hints. Rupe Hints is surprisingly not in the top 10, and that's what upset me too. That's something that's I'll talk about. Number eight, they obviously gave a lot of weight to just winning a Stanley Cup. That gives you a little bit of... Oh, Eichel. Galette. Okay, he deserves to be there. Number nine, a guy who would have won way more selfies if Bergeron didn't exist. Barkov. Barkov at nine, and then at number 10, plays in Canada. Pedersen? 
Elias Patterson. Yeah. Nice. That's way better than I would have done. Um, overall, I think the top five is correct. Um, yeah. I, in terms of the number, in terms the of the people, guys there. Yeah. Um, I'd probably switch Dreisaitl and McKinnon. And I, we, we just talked about this. We'd, we'd both put Matthews over McKinnon yeah. as well. Um, but yeah, Jack Hughes at six. Is that too high? No, I, was, I, I said he should be five. But, and I don't know if he should be five yet. But no, I think I think six is... I think he's proven himself to be, uh, at the very least, a top 10 center, creeping into becoming a top five. Um, I think in, it's only a matter of a year or two before he, he finds himself at five. I just think he's that good. I mean, he's scores 40, he can score 45 goals and get you 40, like 50 to 55 assists. He's going to be a 100-point player in short order. Yep. He's going to be on one of the best teams in the league. Let's not pretend that being on a good team doesn't help you in these rankings. It does. I, I think the sky's the limit for this guy. I don't think he's going to find himself in, like... I don't think he's ever going to break into the top four, assuming those other top four of, like, McKinnon, Dreisaitl, McDavid, Matthews stay healthy. But, like, he'll be the top of that next tier for the rest of his career if he keeps it up. Yeah, I couldn't have said it better myself. Is Braden point too high at seven? I think coming off a 50-goal season, you can probably put him there. But we, we had this discussion even when he saw... Uh, even a, not too long ago, like... He's not like a super point heavy guy. Like he's not a volume scorer. He probably gets you what seventy to eighty points most years. Mm-hmm. Last year had a great year. Um, I guess like, I don't know. I mean, there may be a couple centers I might consider taking over him, but he probably deserves to be top fifteen at best and probably top ten for sure. I think Jack Eichel at eight is probably a little bit high. Like a little in generous. Or- in order to be in the top ten, you got to be a guy that can put up ninety points a year. All of these guys can do it. Jack Eichel last year had what, like probably 65 to 75 yeah, points. That's a little bit of recency bias in that probably. Yeah, and I'm for sure playing in a big market helps as and well. Um, I think Barkov at nine is a little high as well. I mean, Yeah, he had guy? a pretty bad year last year. Also, what has he done in his career that warrants him being a top 10 center? He's like, is it, is it controversial to say that he's been underrated for so long he's now overrated? No, that's that's apt. Okay. Yeah, I mean, he's not a, he, he's incredibly good. Like He's He's an unbelievable hockey player. He's one of the best centermen in the league for sure. The top 15 is the number one center. But he doesn't, you know, I guess there's only so much value, I guess, that defense holds in these conversations because at the end of the day, like, we always default to offense and being a game breaker and what you can do points-wise, which I think should be the case. Mm-hmm. Um, I think at his best, he's top 10. But over the past couple of seasons, I think he's probably top 15, top 20. I agree. I don't know how Rupert Hintz is in this top 10. Yeah, he like led the, he led the uh, playoffs in scoring while he was still in it. Like, For a very long time. And he's gotten better every single year. Yeah. He's great two-way, like, drives the offense on that team. I don't... that That's the one guy when I read this list I was confused. And I don't have the 15 to... Sorry, 11 to 20. But I'm pretty sure it was like 13 or 14. Yeah. He's probably... He's getting, like, small market and non-North American. Like, how many of the guys on this list are North American? All of them except for Barkov and... Uh, Pedersen. Right? Yep. So, like... The, that that bias there is, is, bias. Uh, is there as well. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. You said something about fifty. We wanted to re- we wanted to guess the top fifty goal scorers. Do we still want to do this? 50? Oh, okay, yeah. So because it's our fiftieth episode, I was trying to think like, like what can we do trivia wise to like be fifty themed? And there were five players who scored fifty goals last season, and I just want to see if Ange can guess them. Okay, well I think three of them are easy. Kay. Number one, um, Leon Dreisaitl. Did he get fifty? He did. He, he did. Yeah, had barely, but he did. Had to have gone fifty. Uh, David Pasternak is also easy. That's a giveaway. He had sixty, yeah. and then Connor McDavid. Yeah, sixties. Need two more. Um, this is tough. Oh, I think I have them. Okay. Mikko Rantanen. That's one of them. And then, 
he this guy Braden Point. Yeah, there you go. You got it. All five. That's, that's good. F- I forgot about Miko Ranton and Braden Point before I looked at this list. That's the first time in my life in trivia history that I have gone five for five. I hey. remember when we started doing trivia. If you've been with us since episode one, <laughs> we did trivia for the first five episodes or six episodes, and we had to stop Steph asking me questions because I, <laughs> I knew absolutely nothing, and Steph knows everything down to the curve on that's the guy's That's not true. Stick. You're a much well, I do, better historian I, than I am. Maybe I, I do know useless information like the way people shoot, which blows my mind. If you what? if I, I couldn't even tell you which way Austin Matthews shoots, actually I know. Yeah, you do know no, that because because he my favorite goal scored by him is a toe drag off the right side, so he he shoots left. So that's I know that. Yeah, I know Willie shoots right because you love Willie. Past that, couldn't tell you. Couldn't tell you. It's useless knowledge to have, but it's I don't know something that I notice, but. Do we want what's next? How many things we got? We got draft. We got an overpaid, underpaid, and and that's it. Something that I thought was really cool was that going into next year, a lot of Instagram pages um, are listing graphics of guys that are saying overpaid, underpaid, or just right. And I'm going to be using a graphic from Michael Bartner. He collabed with somebody else. Like I want to give them credit. I just can't remember who it was, but I don't know who to give credit for this idea. So whoever started it, thank you for that. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give you, we're going to do the Pacific division right now. And then I'll move okay. into the Atlantic after. Um, overpaid, underpaid, or just right. You can give a very quick reason for it. But if not, we'll just rip through yep. them. Connor McDavid, 12 and a half million. He's underpaid. He's the highest paid, second highest paid player in the NHL. But is underpaid because he's by far and away the best. Easy, Eric Carlson, eleven oh. and a half. We're using his whole cap hit. Yeah, he's probably overpaid because up until last season, you didn't know what you were gonna get, and you also didn't know if he was gonna stay healthy. So. Going going into next season, if you had to take him one year by eleven point five million, is that good value? Probably still a bit of an overpay. Overpay, I agree. Drew Doughty, eleven million. That's an, well. If Carlson's an overpay at eleven and a half. <laughs> Doughty's an overpay at eleven. We'll go Jonathan Huberto at ten and a half. <sighs> I overpay because he just wasn't good last season. I think at his best, if he can get back to his best, I'd be comfortable paying him between nine and ten. One of your favorites, Anze Kopitar, at ten million. At ten million, honestly, it's probably a tad overpaid right now. Um, He's not close to a point a game. Yes, he's fantastic two way, but ten million, ten million to me spells out game breaker, and he's not that. But he's still very, very good. Okay, how about um, Quinn Hughes at seven point eight five? Honestly, because that team sucks, he's probably underpaid. <laughs> he provides more than seven and a half million dollars of value to that team. He's probably underpaid. That's fair. Kevin Fiala seven point eight eight million. He's probably underpaid. Like. He's putting up 80, 80, 80, 85 points. Like if you, you know, a million for 10 points, he's probably making over, he probably should be making over eight. Okay. I'll give you two more that are, I guess, kind of controversial. Um, Dubois at eight and a half. Oh, that's a tough one. I think he's probably marginally overpaid right now, but as the cap goes up, he'll probably be fair value. Fair. And then Darnell Nurse, 9.25. I mean, come on. That's <laughs> not even fair. I feel bad for, <laughs> for this one, but he's, he's overpaid at nine and a half, right? Or something like that. That's, yep. That's way too much money for any defenseman of his caliber. He was really good at the time. That's fair. Um, okay, now we'll go into the Atlantic. I don't have the graphic on my head, but there are some guys that I, I'm interested to hear your take on. Number one, we'll go, this is kind of controversial too, um, Mitch Marner at 10.6, I think it is. I think it's like 10.8, 10.9. Um, fair value. He is basically a 100-point player. 
He was nominated for the Selkie. He kills penalties. He does everything you could ask for out of a forward, except score 50 goals. Like, he, he is worth 10.9, 11 million. As much as it pains Leafs fans maybe to hear that because of how tumultuous that negotiation was, he is worth his contract. That's fair. Let's stay with the Leafs because that's most controversial. Austin Kay. Matthews, 11-6. Um, I'd say probably slightly undervalued. If, like, in a vacuum, we probably should be making at least 12. Mm-hmm. So undervalued. That's fair. Okay, next we'll go William Nylander. What is he, 7.8? He's No, 6.9. 6.9. I think Let's assume next year he makes 9. At 9? Yeah. At 9, I think is just about right. Okay, but right now, obviously. Right now, he's extremely underpaid. Okay, Stephen Stamkos at 8.5. Um, I think I think he's, that's right on the money. Um, when he signed that deal, it was a lot of money. It still is a lot of money, and I think he's continued to play at, an, at, at that level. Like, he got 100 points a couple years ago. You can probably argue that he's maybe even slightly underpaid. Um, definitely not overpaid. That's fair. Nikita Kucherov, 9.5. Uh, probably underpaid. Eight. If I said Mitch Marner is worth roughly 11, Nikita Kucherov is just the offense is probably better than Mitch offensively, so he should be making double digits at least. And then the last one I'll give you is recently signed David Pasternak, eleven point two five. Yeah, I'd say that's right about what he deserves to be making. One of the best goal scorers in the league. I think eleven million is right right on the money for him. That's fair. There it is. Okay. I think there's just so many more controversial contracts in the West. Like those ones you were reading from the Pacific, those are some shocking contracts. Yeah, maybe we'll clip the West instead of the East. But even in the even in the East, though, I feel like there's a lot of people who would disagree because they're just angry at Mitch Marner for whatever reason. <laughs> um, did you see people speaking of Mitch Marner? Like, did you see like all of the clips of his wedding were coming out and like he grittied, <laughs> he like he like now welcome Mr. and Mrs. Marner, and he's just like literally grittying on the dance floor in front of all of his hawk. Like, I get why people don't like him, maybe, but like <laughs> <laughs> he's good at hockey. He's very good at hockey. Seems like a pretty good dude. Yeah. He just likes the gritty, and like, so do I. No, I don't gritty. What? If this podcast gets uh, 150 views, Steph is gonna make a TikTok of him gritty. If we get like a sponsor that's will, like willing to pay us substantial money, I'll I'll gritty for TikTok. <laughs> just sell yourself out on TikTok for uh, for a sponsor, Grit. right? Yeah, I mean, probably that that'll get us in with the uh, like the seven year olds like the gritty when they score at freaking Canland <laughs> on a f- that like seems, a Saturday afternoon. I've been seeing a lot of um content creators interview like those, kids in like triple a and those stuff those make my skin crawl and they love hitting the gritty and for some they reason love hitting the, they love hitting the ice spice that's, that's the craziest one man. all of their pump-up songs are ice spice i don't get it like what's your favorite celebration they're like the ice spice i'm like you're eight like your mom's behind the camera like what are you doing they all have like long flow with oversized oakley yeah. glasses on it's like it's we weren't that we weren't that Kids. No, I mean, granted, I never played at like that level, but, but you still, did, and they weren't like they, they weren't were. Like they were. That. They were not like. It doesn't that. even matter at the level. Like all kids now, regardless of the level, have a certain way that they. Yeah. Like, the 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 personification of like a hockey player. Yeah, you know what it's I mean? actually crazy. Yeah, like, it's a. They all talk that way too. It's like it's I, wild. I can't watch those videos. It feels like a. It feels like we're in like a a simulation. Yeah, I when, when I see that. I can't watch those videos. I think it. It kind of like triggers my fight or flight. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. Just like you're you... you're gonna like you're gonna call me a name. You're gonna like like seven year old me is like this guy's probably gonna bully me or something. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Yeah, no. But I it agree. triggers my fight or flight. I agree. Anyway, um, okay, should we wrap off. up with uh, this draft sure. I stole from the Athletic? Sure. All of our content comes kind of from the Athletic, but we pay for it, so it's, we're entitled to it, in my opinion. <laughs> anyway, 
So what we're going to do is we're going to pick like a starting six, goalie, two defensemen, and forwards, and three forwards. Um, and we're going to have a salary cap of $45 million. And the contingent, is that a word, whatever, you can only pick one player on their entry-level contract. So like you can't pick Bedard and Nyes and then like stack the rest of your team. You can only pick one rookie or one player on their entry-level contract. And is it forward, 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 or center, Let's right, Let's just left? do forward, forward, forward. It's more fun that way, okay, I sure. think. Who gets? You can get the first overall pick. I'll give it. To You're gonna you. give me the first overall pick. I'm a nice guy. We're gonna. Am I gonna need to pull up Excel to literally calculate this? Because I can't do mental math. I think you can do the math in your head. You think I can do the math? That's very bold of you. Okay, let's start then. Let's start. I. I mean. If you're going to give me the first overall pick, I'm going to abuse it and take Connor McDavid. Uh, 12, I, that is undervalued, so we'll give that to you. So, you get, so you've used 12 and a half cash space. You've used up a forward. With my first, role, oh, first overall pick, I think is the biggest value contract in the NHL. I'm going to take Kale McCart nine and a half. Kale McCart at 9.5, eh? Yep. I think, that, I think Kale McCart, if he re-signed right now, would probably make close to 11 and a half, 12, just because he hasn't even hit his prime yet. Okay. Um, well, and then I'm gonna then I'm gonna take Leon Dreisaitl at eight and a half. Okay, I'm well, so sorry for I this. I shouldn't have given you the first overall. I'm pick. so sorry. That hurts. Um, who should I take with my second overall pick? I am going to. You know what? I need a I need a high value underpaid forward. I'm gonna take Austin Matthews at eleven six three. Eleven six. Yeah. Okay. So we're both at roughly twenty one million. Yeah, and I mean right now. Yeah, I I think it's a conversation. Would you start off with McDavid Dreisaitl versus Austin McCarr? I think 95% of you will take your team, but I got a defenseman, so I'm not. No, I think that's there's value there. Okay. I think I think I'm going to take Victor Hedman. Do you know how much he makes? I think eight Is or nine. Seven and a half or something? Eight. We're doing this on the fly, so don't chirp us, please. Victor Hedman's average annual value is 7.875. 7.75? 875. 875. So I'm just going to put 7.9. With my second overall pick, I'm gonna take Rasmus Dalin at six million. Ooh, that's third overall pick. Sneaky sorry. good. Okay, I I just thought about this now to round out my forward group to play alongside Drysaitel and McDavid. I'm gonna take Brad Marchand. Wow, I thought you were gonna take Jack Hughes, but no, wait, okay. I should have actually. Brad that's that's like what bad. six and point something, right? Six and a half, let's say. Jack Hughes is eight. No, Marchand. Marchand. Marchand will give him six. We'll just give him six. Okay. Um, how much cap space do I have left? You have a 18 million. 18 million? You're 27. That's no, sorry, 20. I have 20. No, you're 20, 18, yeah. 18. Um, okay, I am going to take with my fourth overall pick. You can take a rookie. Oh, I can take a you can rookie. Take, you can I'll, take Bedard. I'll take Connor Bedard. Okay. That's, so that's 900K? Yep. Because, by the way, his line is like 78 points next year. No, he's gonna he's gonna be insane. Yeah, he's going to be insane. So I need another defenseman and I need a goalie. I think I'm gonna take my goalie. Um, Don't take my goalie. You have a do you have a goalie that you want? Don't take him. Hmm. Don't take him. I'm gonna take. Don't take. Ah, uh, I don't know who you want. I'm trying to be an ass. <laughs> I'm gonna take Halibut. Okay, you didn't take him. He's what like six point five? I think something yeah, like that. That's not bad. And then for you, uh, I am going to take. I mean, I guess being a smart GM here, I can save my goalie to the end because you can't take a goalie. True. Um, so I am going to take. How much cap space do I have left? You have. For you have a like seventeen million left. So I can take a nine. 
is 9 plus 8, 17. It is. Okay, I am going to take Elias Sorokin at 8 million. Ooh, and I just 8.8. No, is it 8.8? I thought it was 8. Is it 8.8? Maybe it is 8. I, maybe it's 8 by 8. I can't remember. Mm. I think you're right, though. I think it's 8 by 8. Okay, let's do it. So give me Elias Sorokin at 8 by 8. Yep. Yeah. To round up my defense, I only have about $3 million to work with, and I'm going to use it all on Brandon Montour. 3.5. What is what did you have? I have oh I only have three point I have three point one to work with. Brandon Montour oh. is on my list too, and that's why I thought you couldn't take him. Shoot. Okay. I need to think of a defenseman now. Who's a good right shot or it doesn't matter actually what position. That makes play. three and a half million? That does not exist. They don't Mont- really exist. Montour was eh? the best one. Okay, I'm gonna take oh god, I can't take Owen Power. Well, I have, really sewered myself. You haven't taken a Oh I haven't. A rookie. I'm taking Owen Power. Yeah. Owen Power. Take okay. Owen Power is not bad. Um, okay, and, and how you have nine million left. Nine million left, so I can't take Miko Ranton. I really wanted to. Do I take the question is, do I take Kaprizov? Do Ooh, I? T- at he's nine, nine and a half. At nine? No, he's nine. Is he? Yeah, I looked okay. it up. He's nine. Do I take Jason Robertson at seven point seven? Then you have then you have money left for nothing. Do I take Jack Hughes at eight? Yeah, I take Jack Hughes at eight. I think that's a no brainer. Jack Hughes at eight. Yeah. Okay, you have one million left to spare. Okay. Um, I'm going to sign Sheldon Keith for one million average annual value. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a coach. <laughs> no, my coach is. I'm not picking a coach. We don't need to be coached. We're too good. <laughs> uh, okay, what's your team? My team is McDavid, Dreisaitl, Hedman, Marshand, uh, Deline. No. You pick Deline. Who did I pick? Power and Hedman. Oh, and Hellebuck, yeah. Power, Sorry. Hedman, Hellebuck. And then I got Connor Bedard, Austin Matthews, Jack Hughes, Kale McCarr, Rasmus Dahlin, Ilias Sorokin. Wow. I think my team's deeper, but I think your team has much better top Deeper, it's one line. <laughs> we both have one line. I think, I think your team's more balanced than mine. That's the word. Your team has better top end talent. Yeah. And because you have Connor McDavid and Dreisaitl, like that's not really fair. Um, I don't know. Austin Matthews, Connor Bedard. You never know. Austin Matthews, Connor Bedard, and Jack Hughes. Toe drag release. You never know. It could happen. It That's, could happen. I think I, I would just honestly, what my tactic would be, I would just tell Brad Marchand to like just chirp the crap out of Bedard and just get him <laughs> off his game. You know what? I'm going to change. I'm going to make the coach of my team, Coach Chippy, for a million just so he can, <laughs> just so he can keep Connor Bedard. He can keep Connor Bedard fired up when Brad Marchand. Every time he touches the puck, he just don't drag yeah. <laughs> Every time that Marchand's in his ear, you know Coach Chippy's going to be in Brad Marchand's coach ear. Chip with that little rat filter that he likes to use. <laughs> I love it. I love it. But yeah, no, those are two pretty balanced teams. I'll take it. I think my goalie beats your goalie. I think your forwards beat my forwards. And. I'm taking my D. McCard Deline is a tough McCard defense. McCard Deline is, yeah. Who do I have? I have Power and Hedman. Yeah. It's tough. I think your D wins. I'm going to say both my defensemen are better than your best defensemen. That's I'm, aggressive. <laughs> I'm taking Rasmus Deline over Victor Hedman next year. Wow. Okay. Maybe, yeah. I mean, Hedman's on his way down. And no better way to end off the episode with a little bit of a little bit of chapstick or what? You want me to have dry lips over here? Yeah. Like, <laughs> I gotta be at my best for you. Uh, okay, is there anything else you want to talk about, or is that rounded off? No, I think we're good. Yeah, we took a we took a three week break instead of two this time because there wasn't as much to talk about. I went away. Steph was uh, moving into his new place. I mean, yeah. next we're probably gonna try to get the back to bi weekly episodes, and we'll see how it goes. If possible, yeah. yeah. If there's stuff to talk about, we'll talk about it. Once the season comes back, we'll yeah. we'll be back to bi weekly. In September, we'll have well, it'll be better because training camp will have started and stuff. So. 
hopefully we can get there relatively quickly with some stuff to talk about. But until then, I guess. Yeah, we'll just say one more time, thank you for 50 episodes. Yeah. Hopefully we can make 50 more. Um, if you want to support us on the journey, add upon further review on TikTok, at UFR Pod on Instagram. Obviously, upon further review podcast on Spotify or Apple Music, you know that because you're listening right now. So yeah. thank you to that. But other than that, yeah, um, we'll see everybody next week. Yeah, see you in a couple weeks. Thank you for tuning in. This has been the Upon Further Review Podcast. We'll see you all next week.